Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, that's it. Welcome to Believe in Betting, and we are in Final Four mode. Very pumped up for this weekend. Believe in Betting is going to get into it all here. Guys, make sure if you like us, if you want to check us out, you want to have some interaction, go to Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, over at Facebook, over at Twitter, hashtag S-G-N. But we're going to get into it, guys. It is the Final Four. Villanova, Kansas, we will get into Later on in the show, obviously, that is not the big clash. The big clash is the biggest rivalry in college basketball history. They've played over 250 times, and North Carolina and Duke have never met in the tournament. Oh, they just happened to meet in Coach K's final year, and they just happened to meet in the Final Four. So we are going to get into that. I know everybody's into Coach K. There's like almost an 80% uh chance of the people going out there and betting on Coach K. Uh, It's all about Coach K, whether you like him, whether you hate him. But I decided to bring on Andy Bagwell. Andy Bagwell has been on the show many times before. He's representing the North Carolina side of things, and I want to get his take. Andy Bagwell, he's been on the show quite a few times. Obviously, a massive North Carolina fan, co-author of the book, Duke Sucks. Like I said, featured in the I Hate Christian Leighton 30 for 30. And, uh, you know, he's in North, Cary, North Carolina, my old neck of the woods. I, I used to live right down there in the triangle. And I wanted to talk to him. Look, we've had Eno Connor on to talk about Coach K a couple of weeks ago, and everybody seems to be talking about Coach K. But Andy, there's another side to this. And there's the side to this that I've be, been screaming about. We're all in St. Peter's mode we have an opportunity for an eighth seed, yeah, a true Cinderella in North Carolina to move on, and it all seems to be about Coach K. Uh, give me your feelings on that. Uh, it is always all about Coach K, Tom. Hasn't that always been the case? Uh, no matter what, it's always about him. And yeah, he's, he has uh, overshadowed this entire season, which, by the way, is exactly how he planned it, Tom, to overshadow every other story in college basketball, every other story in sports, for this to be all about him. And we did. We we had a great story in St. Peter's. What a magical run. But it was always like, oh, and now let's go talk some more about Coach K. And you've got a run from North Carolina that, once again, no one is talking about. Here's Hubert Davis in his very first year as head coach. He's one of only nine head coaches to make to the Final Four in his first year. And no one is even bothering to talk about that because it always has to come back to the, the 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 evil one and his final run and his final farewell through the tourney. It's 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 exhausting and it's nauseating. You know, it's funny because you know you, you really did touch on something that I, I think if there was no Coach K in this tournament, okay, let's just say it was just a regular year, right? I mean, North Carolina would be getting all the conversation. People don't realize when. The field of 64 comes out, or 68, whatever it is now. Uh, I always go into the the conversation of don't buy into the idea that anybody can win, right? Because they always try to force feed that. It's anyone's chance. No, it's not. No team, eight <laughs> seed or lower, ever won the championship, right? There's no, right. never been a 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. There's never been that, ever, in the history of, of this tournament. So North Carolina could be that lowest seed ever, 
to win a championship, yet somehow, well, it's North Carolina. And I do think it has something to do with the brand name itself, but go into a little bit about Hubert Davis. I mean, we're all looking at what's going to happen when Coach K leaves. Well, Roy Williams just left. Look at what Hubert Davis is doing. This is an unbelievable job. It's crazy, Tom. And you and I talked about this about a year ago when Hubert Davis got the job. And I'll remind your listeners, Hubert and I were on the same hall at Carolina for the first two years. We're, we're the same age. I came in with him. I left with him. So I told your listeners at the time, he's a great guy, but I wasn't sure. I mean, I call him a friend. I wasn't sure how successful he was going to be. And, and don't get me wrong, Tom. That eight beside North Carolina, they earned it this year with their play overall. That They did. I mean, they got blown out early in the year by Kentucky, blown out by Tennessee, lost bad games against Wake Forest and Miami. So I don't want to. I don't want anyone to think, oh, North Carolina. Maybe they could have climbed a little bit higher, but they earned where they are. Now, with that being said, you look at what Hubert Davis did with this team from a team that was unsure of itself, learning a new system, learning new coaches, learning everything about what was going to happen, and and really having several points in the year where they could have just packed it in and said, this doesn't work. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going league. I'm hitting the transfer portal. But Hubert found a way to bring them together. They learned the system. They learned how to defend. And it's remarkable. The team right now, they are playing as well as anybody else in the country and really have been for the better part of the last month. And, and if you think about it, again, I go back to, this is a strange occurrence, Tom. I'll tell you this. So Hubert Davis is the first head coach in his first year to bring his team to the Final Four. Since Bill Guthridge, who took over for, for, Phil, for, for Dean Smith back in 1997-98. Now, two very different teams. That 98 team for Carolina was stacked with Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson. But then you have Coach K, who is in his final, final four in his final year. The last coach to do that, also Bill Guthridge, three years after he made it his first time. So there's some really weird UNC-Duke dynamics going on here that just it feels like there's a disturbance in the force quite frankly tom but you hubert has done an amazing job really has done especially in the last month bringing this team together and they're playing so so well right now we're on the phone with andy bagwell co-author of the book duke sucks you guys can go still check that out at amazon.com it is a great read you want to go check that out even if you're uh, not a north carolina fan it's a very very good read andy um you know, you mentioned how this team has grown up, and I don't think anybody would have looked at North Carolina and said they were lacking for athleticism, lacking for size earlier in the year, but they just needed to sort of grow up and learn. I point to the game on Coach K's last home game. All of the pressure was on Duke, sure, we understand that, but they came into that game uh, as an eight and a half or a nine point favorite. It was double digits in some spots. It got all the way up there. And I said on the air, I just can't imagine Duke losing this game. Now, everybody, when they lost, everybody looked at Duke and they said, wow, you know, the pressure got to them. And you know what? It was a lot. It was a lot to ask for that team. But what about the other side? What about North Carolina, a team that wasn't playing well? They were not inside the top 25 at that point. A team that is very young with a brand new head coach going into that spot. National TV, there's 100 ex-Duke players there. Coach K, I mean, the script was already written. Coach K was going to win that game. And they went in there and they won. To me, that was when this team became a real team. I don't care what they did in the ACC championship. That was the night where they started to believe in Hubert Davis. Do you agree? I totally agree. That was the night that they found the confidence that they could do it. They had been playing well, 
up to that game, outside of a, a really bad home loss to Pittsburgh. They had been playing better, but they had not beaten anyone. And, and coming into that game, Tom, they were a bubble team. They were firmly on the bubble, and rightfully so. Now, you can make an argument that maybe they, that, that some of these other guys were inflated, but they were a bubble team coming into that. But you're, you're totally right. That game was an inflection point. Now, Tom, I'll tell you what. It was an inflection point for both teams. Carolina came out of that game and said, holy crap, we can beat anybody. We put our minds to it. We listen to what the coaches are telling us. We play together. We can beat anybody. And at the same time, what you've seen from Duke on the other side, outside of, again, that, that, that Boston AC tournament, that woke them up. And they said, hey, we've got to get, be- got to get better here. And we've got to improve. And we've got to play better. And, and they, have, they have also started playing better. So it, it, is, it is crazy how much of a, of a turning point that game was. But I, I, and we could talk about that particular game all day long. First of all, it was one of the most glorious things that's ever happened in the history of the world to see all of that hubris on display that night in Durham and come crashing down. And, and not a single word was spoken about North Carolina leading up to it. Tom, we were the Washington Generals in that scenario. There, no, one, no one thought they were, that the Harlem Globetrotters were going to lose a game. The Carolina was expected to come in, be fooled, be turned around, and have their pants pulled down by the Dukies and go home losers like they were supposed to do every night. And it was wonderful. So, so it, it, and it's, it was amazing, though, from that point forward, the change that you saw in that Carolina team and, and, and how they believe now that they can really beat anyone. And they could. They really could win the whole thing. You know, it's funny, Andy, that, you know, there is so much um, Duke hatred out there, right? I mean, we, we hear from you, but it's not just from you. Duke has fans and they have the haters. They're the Dallas Cowboys. They're the Los Angeles Lakers. They're the New York Yankees. I mean, this is yep. who they are. But it does surprise me that right now they are plus 150 to win it all. They were 12 to 1 before the Sweet 16. Everyone start, started to kind of jump on this bandwagon, yet the line opened up at four and a half and it's down to four. Now, I keep seeing the, the percentages, and I'm looking at 78 to 80% of all of the money lines coming in on Duke, of all of the bets coming in on Duke, yet the line went down, which means there's some big money on North Carolina. The line is only four. So with all of the Coach K conversation, and Duke being the favorite, and Duke playing this great, and Duke all this, all the Duke everything, you know, the lines makers that are sitting back there making the lines are saying, yeah, I think it's going to be a very close game. Do you find it surprising that all of a sudden, even the Duke hatred has kind of been turned down and everybody's sort of, sort of falling in love with this team? Well, no, I don't. The fog has come back into the room, Tom. The fog was in full effect before that game in Cameron, and it was blown away a little bit. And people stand up and say, oh, well, wait a minute. What, there's another team here, and maybe Duke isn't all that. But over this run that Duke has made in the tournament and all the buildup and all of the hype around Coach K, the fog is back. And so people are forgetting that, oh, that's right. They have to actually play the game. This is not a pre-written script. So it doesn't surprise me at all that all the money is on Duke because that's the, that's the momentum right now. And people are, are, are forgetting that little game in Cameron where Duke looked exposed. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all. And there's some smart bettors out there that are going to take those four points that Carolina is, is like, or, or Carolina money line and, and saying this, that they could win this game because they, they could. They're, it, it, there's going to be, I mean, we can talk about the matchups if you want to, but, uh, you know, Duke's run, I think there's been a little bit of a mirage going on with Duke's run through the tournament. You know, the first two, first, first two games, they weren't really challenged. And if you look at, if you look closely at Texas Tech and Arkansas, 
they were really terrible matchups for Duke. Yes, their their numbers would tell you that they were really good defensively throughout the year. I would question that a little bit, and maybe against some weaker competition, as it turns out in retrospect. Plus, neither one of those time, neither one of those teams has any offensive firepower. So I think Duke has looked a little better than they are, even though they're playing well and playing better than they have in the past. I think they've looked a little better in the last couple of weeks than they really are. So I think it's going to be a closer match uh, than, than people are thinking it might be. Yeah, I like your thinking that, you know what, if, if you're getting four points, you might as well just uh, take a shot at the money line at that point. I, I think it could be a close game. What I wonder about, though, is, you know, look, we're still dealing with kids. And oftentimes I ask, you know, I ask professionals this question and I kind of get br- brushed off. Ah, but when we're dealing with kids, it is a different environment. Did they creep into their minds? You have to think that the Duke kids that were on the court, and I've said this on the show a couple times, you know, they have that in the back of their head. We lost Coach K's last game at home. I mean, we did mm-hmm. that. That had to creep into their psyche. That had to have an impact because they're kids. And guess what? Even if they were grown adults and professionals, it had to creep in there. Now, if they are in trouble here, Andy, now, now look, Duke might blow them out by, by 20, but if mm-hmm. they're in trouble here and it's late in the game, I am all over North Carolina because I, I've i watched Duke under pressure during the Coach K last game. They faded. I watched Duke under pressure during the ACC championship game. They crumbled. I think that they know they have to win this. There's a lot of pressure on their shoulders to not end Coach K's career, and especially against their heated rival. To me, and get tell me if I'm wrong, you're the North Carolina guy. I know it's the Final Four, and I know this is a crazy statement. Andy, I feel like North Carolina is playing with house money. Uh, absolutely they are. All the pressure is on Duke. 100% of the pressure is on Duke. No one, Carolina wasn't supposed to be here. They weren't supposed to get past Baylor. And, and somehow they're here. And now we're again in that scenario, like I was saying, where they're starting to be overlooked and everybody's talking about Duke. I, I, I think you're right on. If you go by, back and watch that game in Cameron, and by the way, I have maybe only five or six times, um, that you will see the moment in time where it dawns on the Duke players that they might lose. It was in the second half. Carolina makes a little push, and it and it and it it became aware. They became aware of like, holy crap, we actually could lose this game, and pressure started to mount. Right, just like you said, they haven't had any real game pressure in the tournament yet. There has not been a moment in time later in the game, like you said, where it, it was possible, and it was there was a scenario that started to creep into their minds where they lost, where they could lose. So if you can get, if Carolina can get into that second half, keep the game pressure on them, maybe make a little run midway through somewhere at that 10 or 8 minute mark, you're absolutely right. Duke is going to tighten up because they're going to start to feel that pressure. It is going to be fascinating to watch. Andy, if North Carolina has the lead or if they are, you know, uh, a tied with about six minutes to go, I'm in-gaming that all day long. I I think that that's the moment where we really – see the, the Carolina Tar Heels play a little loose. Um, and what you said, I went back and watched that game too. There, you know, there was a, that point at about the six minute mark, I think it was, where you could see the look on Duke's faces because they were, it wasn't like they lost a close game here. They were down by like 10 and, and they're yeah. going, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh, uh, we can't come back from this. Um, yeah. Andy, let's let's talk about the matchup itself, okay? Um, I think the biggest advantage here, look, Duke can shoot, Duke can play defense, of course, North Carolina is scoring like 90 points a night, and their size is just impossible to beat. So it's going to be the boards. It's going to be the second-chance shots, of course, underneath. 
How can Duke potentially stop them from dominating the boards? Or is it a case where Duke just has to shoot lights out? Well, I think, I think if you go back to that game in Cameron and you look at the formula that Hubert Davis found in that, in that matchup, it, it was pick and roll at the top of the keep top. It was all that. He, we, Carolina ran the same play repeatedly, and Duke never found an answer for it. So, yes, those, the, the, the rebound is going to be key. The, the, the three-point shooting is going to be key on both sides. That's the nature of basketball today. But, it, but if Duke still has no answer for R.J. Davis and Brady Manick or R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott pick and rolling them to death at the top, at the top of the key, they won't win. Now, with that being said, I'll tell you, one of the things that, that changed after the, the Carolina-Duke game, which I think gives Duke a little bit of a different advantage here, is, you know, everybody likes to talk about Paolo Boncaro. Everybody talks about uh, A.J. Griffith. But, but the guy that really has driven the engine for Duke has been a difference maker is Jeremy Roach. So here's a, here's a situation where he's playing a lot more. He's running the, the team, and they've been playing really well. So now if you're Carolina, that really wasn't that big of a factor. What do you do to counteract that? Do you, do you put a guy like Leaky Black on Jeremy Roach to really disrupt the flow of Duke's offense? Well, if you do that, now you're leaving A.J. Griffith open, or you're leaving Paolo Boncaro on Brady Manic. Uh, so there's, there's, it's, this, this, this game is so incredible when you start thinking about the chess match that's going to go on between the matchups of the players on the floor. I, I, I will say that, that, like I was saying before, Carolina is, is like you said, scoring almost 90 points a game in the tournament. Duke has not faced an offensive team like this the entire tournament, right? So they have not had a team that could keep up with them from a scoring standpoint. So that is something that's going to be interesting to watch. I don't think they're a great defensive team. They have looked better than they are because of the two games that they played in the past. But it's, it's, it's not going to be like they can just sit back and expect Carolina to come out and score 60 points. Carolina will score some points, and they're going to put pressure on them. But it, it is going to be a really interesting game from those matchup standpoints, who can control the boards? How much effect will a guy like Mark Williams have on Carolina's Carolina's uh, you know inside game? And 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 again, three pointers. If, if Brady Manick and either one of R.J. Davis or Caleb Love are hot from outside, it's going to be really tough for Duke to keep up with that. It's funny you you mentioned the big man. I want to get to that in a minute. Danny Bagwell, co-author of Duke Sucks book, featured in the I Hate Christian Leighton or Thirty for Thirty. But you mentioned you know the three point uh, shooting and and the inside game and all that. Brady Manick has an over-under of over two and a half three-pointers for this game. Now he went 11 from 20 for three-pointers in two games versus Duke. <laughs> and he's attempted 34 threes in four tournament games. I love this bet. I, I think I think that in order to, you know, kind of open up the middle, why don't you let the big man shoot from the outside? Oh, yeah. No, I pound the over all day on that. I mean, that is just like, that he, he is a key to this team. Um, and you saw UCLA defend him differently, right? So there, there could be a situation where Duke might, might look at that and go, okay, we need to really, really key on him. But, but he's, he's really crafty. I mean, everybody knows he's a great shooter, but if you've been watching him all year, this kid knows how to play ball. I mean, he is just a really high IQ basketball player cutting to the back door the minute his defender turns his head. But, but, and, and Carolina runs a ton of sets to try to pop him out on pick and roll, find him in the corner. So, no, I love that bet, too. I mean, if Carolina is going to do well, Brady Manick has to shoot and make a lot of threes. I want to get your uh, opinion on a couple more bets here. Just because of game flow, so you don't actually have to make these bets, just game flow. Look, it seems like you kind of like the over. Everyone's looking at the 151, 151 and a half, and it seems like uh, people love that over. 
I'm looking at the team total. You can still find a team total out there of North Carolina over under 73. I, I, I really? got, look, I got to go on that. I mean, you, you know, it opened up at 72 and a half. You got to go take a shot at 73, right? I would have to think so. I mean, just look at how they've been scoring outside of the games where, you know, they, they, the teams really slowed it down against them. Um, you know, look at the, look at the UCLA game. But, oh, gosh, no. I mean, Duke is not going to do anything to try to slow the pace of the game down. down. Their, their idea is, hey, we've got more talent than anybody else in the field, and they do. So the more possessions we can, we can garner, the better. So, no, they're, they're, I don't see this being a low-possession game. You look at that game in Cameron, it was up and down, high scoring. Um, I, I have to think it's going to be the same thing. Now, again, like you said, anything can happen in this game. I mean, this is unprecedented in this rivalry, and you've seen some crazy stuff happen between these two teams play. Now they're meeting up in the Final Four. But I just don't see stylistically how these teams are going to slow it down enough where they're both not going to be in the 80s. I, 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 I love that over as well. Andy, I want to ask you, uh, this is probably going to get your blood pressure rising, and I apologize, oh okay? Um, <sighs> look, how do you think the refs are going to call this game? I look at this, and I go, North Carolina already has a problem with the refs in this tournament. You look at Coach K, and they're probably not going to want to be the ones to decide. I'm not saying that they're going to favor Duke. Look, Duke fans, don't jump on me. Um, I'm not saying they're necessarily going to favor Duke, but I think they swallow their whistle a little bit late. I think they kind of play it a little bit tough. How do you think the refs are going to be? And does that help a big North Carolina team? Because if they swallow their whistles, I think it actually helps the heels. Tom, why do you do this to me? Why I was nice and calm. I, I was I was having a nice <laughs> conversation. And now you want to give me that PTSD all the way back to the Baylor game. You're killing me here. But I, I, I do think it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. Generally speaking, generally speaking, you're supposed to get the better reps in, in, in the final four. But, but if they do, and, and generally when they, when these two teams play, they know each other so well, there's not, it's not like there's a huge contrast in South. They're both going to be playing hard on defense, but I, I hope that it is, like you said, I don't want a tightly called game for a couple reasons. One, as a Carolina fan, Carolina is not a deep team. We play those five guys, that iron five, as they're called, play the entire second half at Cameron. They've been carrying the load all year long. So foul trouble. On the Carolina side, I mean, you saw it in the first matchup with Duke. Armando Baycott goes down with two fouls in the first quarter, you know, the first first half, and Duke blows Carolina out. So a lot of fouls, a lot of tick-and-tack fouls, a tightly called game, that hurts Carolina for sure. I, I hope it's not the case. I don't know that it necessarily helps on the other, other end if the reps are really letting them play. I think it more evens it out because Duke is going to body down low too. Mark Williams uses his body a lot. Paolo Pancaro uses his body a lot. So it's not like Carolina can, can really make a – I don't think they can take a huge advantage from a tightly a, – a loosely called game down the post. It'll help, but I don't think it'll help as much as if it's tightly called and there's some foul trouble to deal with. All right, Andy, it is time to get your prediction. Give me your prediction. Who's moving on? I think I have an idea. And give me a score. Well, first prediction is – I am going to be useless all week, as I have been. I am stressed. The, the energy down here in North Carolina is palpable in terms of the anticipation for this. I, 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 if I look at this game, I, I just it's starting to feel like that buildup to Cameron again. And you've got a lot of Carolina fans who are trying to brace themselves and saying, it's okay, we've had an incredible season if we lost. And you start to see this national media narrative that it's all about Duke, it's all about Kay's in his final four. He's going to make this magical run. And you start to look at the Carolina players, they're loose. 
they're having fun. They know they can beat this team. So I, I, I will I will go ahead and go out there right now and say Carolina is gonna win this game. It is gonna be tight. I don't think Duke is gonna is gonna is gonna fade like they did before. It's gonna be scrapping and clawing, but I see Carolina coming away with an 82-79 win in an all-time classic in the tournament. And then who knows what happens on Monday? I don't even want to think about that right now. Well, if North Carolina moves on, I'm having you on our weekend show for sure on our Want to Bet show to talk about uh, the potential of Monday. Andy, it has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Guys, go check him out. Co-author of Duke Sucks book. You guys can get that on Amazon right now. It's Duke Sucks. Also featuring IA Christian Leitner, 30 for 30. Go check him out over on Twitter. Um, at NC Bags. Thank you very much to Andy Bagwell. All right, guys, now let's get into Villanova and Kansas. And somehow or another, this has become like the secondary option, right? I mean, it's, it's the secondary option, but it has a lot of subplots in itself. Look, Jay Wright could go for a historic kind of run here, really cement himself. I mean, the guy's 60 years old. It's not like he's a young guy, but it certainly new onto the scene, making Villanova kind of one of those blue bloods. He could have three championships in just, what, six, seven years, right? So that is pretty massive. Bill Self, with all the championships that he has, he has 15 regular season championships in the Big 12 in 17 years, but he only has one national title. You know, it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers thing. You got one, everyone's going, well, you get two. You get two, you shut people up. And I think that's that's a lot of what we're dealing with here. Um, Villanova's kind of up against it. Because they had the injury. Justin Moore, who was their second leading scorer, averaging about 15 points per game, is out of this game. And it's not only that he's out of this game, they also have a very short bench, so it's a short rotation. I mean, basically, Jay Wright's going to be playing with six guys. Colin Gillespie is going to absolutely have to be crazy. We know that Samuels can stand on his head. This is a game where, you know... We keep talking about defense, 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 and Kansas has a very good defense. Villanova's really got to step up because if you're missing scorers, you want to play close games. You want to play tight games. And here's where the game plan is for Villanova. Get into a foul shooting type of situation. Villanova is in their spot where they are looking to set the all-time record for foul shooting efficiency. And Kansas is one glaring negative one huge, let's be honest, it is a massive negative, okay, is that they don't shoot foul shots well. Kansas, one of the worst foul shot shooting teams of any of the big teams in the tournament. They are shooting only 67%, 56 of 83 in the tournament on foul shots. Meanwhile, Villanova, 53 of 59, 90%. So Villanova wants to play a close game. And if they play a close game, okay, well, here you go. The problem is that Villanova is going to rely upon the three ball. They have to hit that because they're missing a scorer. Because of all that, they're going to have to rely upon the deep three ball. And when you start to look at, you know, what they can look, you know, Kansas held Miami to 35% shooting. Miami's a good offensive team. Villanova's not a great offensive team. They're just very efficient. This has the feel of a slow game. Here's the thing, though. If the game is close, I sort of like Villanova here. If the game is tight at the end, I mean, how do you not go with the just absolute disparity and complete difference when you're talking about the foul line? Now, I think Kansas is a better team. I think Kansas probably wins the matchup, to be honest with you. And I think it is a low-scoring game. I don't love the total. It's very low. But if Villanova can put some pressure on them, they do have two of the best players on the court in Samuels, which we watch what he can do, and Colin Gillespie, by the way, had a bad last game. They don't have that ability now. 
I know everyone's looking at them as being injured. I know everybody's looking at them as, you know, having a short bench. But I think the foul shooting is such a massive advantage to them that I'm sitting back and I'm going, I don't love Kansas here. Look, I like them. I think we do see Kansas in the championship, but it wouldn't shock me at all. Jay Wright, to me, is a superior coach, and I like Bill Self a lot. Jay Wright is on another level. I think Gillespie and Samuels can be the best two players on the court. They're just going to have to be. It's all going to be coming down to can they hit the three-pointer. And if they can hit that three-pointer, guys, and the game is close, you know that foul shooting is going to be involved. You know the massive disparity in foul shooting has to be involved. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here. Please enjoy the Final Four and make sure that, you know, you go check us out. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. Have a very good weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.